Normally when we think about natural language processing or NLP, we think about handling customer service tickets with a chat bot or having a voice on the other end of a phone that can maybe aid with a question that we have for a cable company or something like that. We don't generally think about writing content. But in this interview on the AI and Industry podcast, we speak with Tomas Rossia Garcia Oliveros. He goes by Tommy, but I told him when I interviewed him in person that I would go for the full name, even though we have to pronounce people from all kinds of countries. He's from Spain originally, was a researcher at Harvard for a bit, uh, working with other companies, and then started Phrase.io a number of years back. And Phrase focuses pretty much exclusively on NLP problems and functionality around content creation and content marketing. So being able to find resources related to the article that you're writing, even before you know exactly what to search for. Being able to summarize resources that are on the web so you can figure out which ones you might want to actually click and read as opposed to clicking on six things, having six tabs open, and having to read a page and a half in before you realize it's not a good fit for you. So summarization, uh, contextual search, and all kinds of language applications related to content creation, content marketing uh, is what we're going to be diving into today. What's possible now and also what could be possible in the future to make the job of writing easier. Very few folks who tune into the show are writers by trade, but most all business professionals end up having to put together a report every now and again or make an argument that relates to some degree of research that they've done on their own. And I think everybody would appreciate if a little bit of time could be shaved off from that task. So that's what we dive into in this episode. Again, as mentioned, all the episodes in this series on AI and industry for February, uh, we're partnering with Nuance Communications to put together a very, very large piece on NLP business applications where we're going to summarize everything from these interesting interviews as well as a short glossary of NLP-related terms for business leaders uh, to be able to simplify some of the terms themselves. That can be found at E-M-E-R-J, that's emerge with a J, dot com slash NLP. E-M-E-R-J dot com slash NLP. That's our big piece partnering with Nuance this month on sort of NLP business basics for business leaders. I hope that that's going to be incredibly valuable for everybody who enjoys the podcast uh, this month. We have four episodes in February, all NLP focused, and that's a resource that I hope we'll be able to help out with an understanding of this topic and an understanding of real applications in businesses. Lots of cool case studies featured in that one, so I hope you like it. So without further ado, we'll dive into this episode with Tommy at Phrase here on AI and Industry. So, Tomas, I wanted to start off with some of the applications of natural language processing in content creation, content research. Mm -hmm. um, clearly, that's where you guys are focused, and there's a lot of interesting areas where AI can apply itself there. Talk about some of the particular functions, abilities of natural language that can kind of aid content creation just for backdrop here. Well, when we started the company, we, we started with the idea of an AI uh, research assistant. And that was going to be a tool for writers to do research faster while, while they write. Talking to writers, they told us that, well, before we know what to write about, we want to do some previous ideation or research. So that's why we came up with the idea of uh, using summarization as pretty much a new way to search. So if you think about what they call the traditional search engine. <laughs> so, you know, Google has done a great job at giving you really good links. Yes. So you, you know, if you go into Google right now and search, I don't know, what is AI, they will give you a top 10 results. Okay. And then there is the whole SEO market trying to get into that page. Of course. And then if you think about it, there are so many pages there, not because having 
pages as you know pages of links is a good experience necessarily but in my opinion because google's business is about putting you in page one so being on page one is more expensive than being on page two and so forth so we thought like okay what if an ai could read the top 50 results and instead of having the writer going through all of these pages could just interact with one piece of a summary there's a summary of each result but it's a multi-document summary and just to touch on this, because I think some people are going to have this click in their mind. I know I am. Right now, sometimes Google will have those, what do they call those little references? Like you might look up like banana bread recipe and they'll just give you one. They'll right. just yank it from an article and give it to you so you don't even click the article. Or you look up someone like some historical figure like Cortez and they'll just like give you a snippet of his biography or birthday, date of death, all the rest of that stuff. And that's like their own knowledge graph. You're talking about something that seems like it's different. You're talking about actually digging into the top 10 articles and somehow conglomerating that information into a summary, which seems way more challenging because it might be framed in different ways. Talk about how that works. Yeah. So Google, the difference is that what they're doing really well is more like fact-based question answering. So, you know, people right now search with questions and, and Google that has these snippets that they usually work really well with fact-based information. You know, how old is Barack Obama? Or how do I make banana breaks? Yes. So those are kind of like yeah. very straightforward <laughs> answers and they're really good at that and that's a whole, whole different domain. What we are more about is trying to give you a, a multi-document summary of like more open domain questions. Like, what is the future of digital health? There's not even an answer for that. It's supposed to be a, a discussion and an open-ended. Very open-ended. Right. Very open-ended. So that's why you were looking at 10 different articles. Let's say we have the top 10 results for what is the future of digital health. So we can have a whole pipeline of NLP tools there. But what they're trying to do is identify what are the relationships between all those articles. And then within those relationships, what are the sentences that are related with each other? And then we kind of try to put together a concise piece from looking at those relationships. I mean, this is very, it's plenty of very, very easy terms. So there's, yeah. there's a lot of processing happening there. But what we try to do is that we try to do like what is called extractive summarization. We're not trying to abstract anything. We're, we're not trying to write new language for you. So the difference between extractive and abstractive is that ex- extractive is about scoring sentences and, and pulling sentences. Abstractive is about writing new content for you and that will be pure deep learning based yeah but right now our approach is more about looking at each document analyzing how the documents relate to each other and then within those relationships pulling the the best sentences to come up with a one piece got it okay so extractive so we're, we're learning some new terms i always slow down when we touch on some new terms so yeah. extractive what was the rest of that term extractive extractive and abstractive extractive is extractive natural language processing extractive or what do we say extractive what Summarization. Summarization. Okay. Extractive summarization. We look at a dozen articles about a topic. We pluck the sentences out that sort of relate to one another and we try to distill it down to a certain word length that maybe you already programmed, like, I don't know, 400 words, a thousand words, whatever the heck it is. And then you're cobbling, for lack of better terms, sentences together that relate to the topic that sort of seem like they give the best congealed picture of what all these documents are saying. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and then there are a bunch of challenges here, like you want the sentences to order them in the best order possible. Ideally, it should read like, a, like an article. We're not trying to be a robot writer here. We're not no, trying to write... to be. Yeah, you no, but there are some companies out there that market this same concept as AI can write for you. Going back to your question, how content creators can use this, we don't want these summaries to replace what a human would write. 
we want writers to use these summaries as a, as a starting point for their stories, totally. almost like a draft. Yep. So then what they will do is that you can turn these summaries into something you can start working on top of. Instead of having to read all 12 documents, you might be able to grab the gist, get an understanding, have a couple useful references, and just have that be a quick part of your research process. Yep. So, okay, un understood. So that's extractive summarization. You know, the, the common use cases that we've heard on the podcast previously are, you know, in law, for example, law mm -hmm. and legal, you know, okay, this particular legal precedent, I don't want to read 30 pages, you know, please boil this down to three pages or sure. whatever the case may be. That's, I think, quite different than what you're talking about. So extractive summarization seems like a useful application for people who are looking to put together content and want to save some time. And that leads, I guess, into the research assistant side of things, which I know was your initial idea at the beginning mm -hmm. of the company. Talk about that use case as well. Yeah. So they're actually quite related because what we've seen is that most content marketeers, which is the main market we are we're working with now, most people would first write something, then optimize it for SEO. There are a bunch of tools that let you optimize your, your writing. Yeah. Plugin. But if before writing, you are starting from a search, that's getting you in the, in the workflow of like first searching, getting a summary and then turning that summary into a draft. So that's getting you, you're starting to write optimize before you finish your post because you already know the topics you need to touch on. For example, if you want to write about what is AI and we give you all this summary with all these topics, you already know you need to touch on those topics. Yep. So we try to give you an outline before you even start to write. So that's the beginning of the, of the research system. It's almost like an outline generation tool. That's the first piece. And then the, the research assistant is like, so I like to tell you a story. The two most used products in the world in software are the word processor. And that is, you know, Microsoft Word, Google Docs, and, and a few other, you know, uh, pages, all these things. And that was invented in the 60s. It was one of the first software. That's, yeah. You know, typing on an interface, that, that's yeah. really yeah. as basic as it can get. And then you go to the 90s and you have the search <laughs> engines, right? So word processors and search engines started in very different times and they were always seen as different products. So the idea of this started like, what if you can have an interface where you can have a word processor where you write and there is another layer on top of it in the same interface of search. And that becomes what we call a research system, meaning it is a word processor that can learn from everything you write and do research in the background as you're writing and try to pretty much let you write and research in, in the same place in a way that very common workflow is you will have a bunch of tabs open in your browser. Yes, and then I, I you know go, exactly how this goes. And yeah. then you go into each tab and you copy a few lines, you put them into your processor and then you close it, but you might forget to copy the, the link and then you need to type again for whatever you copied. So it's just like kind of like a very inefficient workflow. And it's kind of crazy because it, that's probably the most common workflows in the internet. Right? Yeah, which is word processor, all, browser, word yeah, processor, browser. browser. Yep. So we are essentially putting all those two in one place. So we call it an assistant because it's like a little bot that shows up in your browser that is collecting everything you open and then recommending topics as you write. And then when you click on a topic, give you a source for a topic, like a contextual search engine as you write. And so, yeah, let's just get down to brass tacks on, on what that means. So you're talking about researching while you're writing. You're talking about an extension, I imagine, to Chrome probably that you said sort of making suggestions as you're searching or recording things as you're searching. So talk about maybe exactly what is this thing doing? What are some of those doings? 
uh, that's happening with that sort of assistant software that we can kind of put our finger on here. Sure. So going back to the startup, so after you've searched for something and you land in the, in the word processor, we'll really give you an outline of all the topics you should be talking about. So let's say you're doing an article on what is AI. So we might give you top topics as an outline, and one of them might be deep learning. So let's say you want to search a little bit more about deep learning. If you click on deep learning, we want to give you more articles about deep learning within the context of what is AI. So you will get articles about deep learning from different types. So you can choose between news, medium articles, uh, tweets. I think we have about 10 content sources right now. So there are different categories that are yeah. broken out. So yeah. like search medium, search this, yeah. search that. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so let's say we click on deep learning and now we get our medium articles about deep learning within the context of what is AI. Meaning it's pretty much going to do a query of like, what is, the, what is AI and deep learning, right? Because that, that's the, kind of the context. So let's say then you click on a couple articles that are about health and deep learning. Because for whatever reason, you're interested in health. So the research assistant is going to be recording those articles you read. And in this case, it would be, if you close those sources and you go back to your editor, the little assistant will be updated with some topics about health because you just clicked on deep learning for health. So maybe now it's going to recommend you, I don't know, uh, precision medicine, which is kind of like the idea of data and health. So that research assistant, everything you do in the context of like opening articles or, or making search queries is going to be progressively adapting and adjusting as you go. So eventually, if you end up writing about data science and health, that research assistant is going to have known about that and progressively updating as you go. And we call it a system because it's always sitting there. It's almost like a long-term memory because everything you do in terms of like opening new articles and writing yeah, yeah. gets kind of like tracked in this kind of like a system there. In my head, I have a way that I imagine this is sort of working is that, of course, you'll, you'll be able to put more color on this or correct my assumption. I obviously haven't looked in the back end of what you guys do, but in terms of how something like this would be done, you're looking at keywords being entered into browsers. You're looking at results that are showing up. And then looking at sort of trends in different keywords that are searched, trends in different pages that are being opened, and then being able to sort of conglomerate what do these have in common and what are other sources that really encapsulate this combined idea that we might be able to provide and suggest. Is that more or less what's happening? We're taking individual keywords and topics. On the NLP side, what is actually happening for sure. this to occur? So. When Sorry for the listeners for the, the car alarm in the background, by the way. We're live here in, in, in Boston doing this one, not on Skype, so this will add to the realism, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah so we're talking about writing. So first thing we do is in real time. So yeah. as you're writing in your editor, we are topic modeling that. You know, topic modeling is a big thing by topic itself. Modeling? Topic modeling? Model, yes, yeah. yes. So that means okay. creating a model of the topic as you write. So every other sentence you're writing about, the topic might be shifting. So we're able to identify how the topic evolves as you write. So we use this this context of your writing to be also real-time updating that research assistant. So the first thing is understanding context, right? That's, that's the big thing here. So we're able to give you results based on that real-time context. So that was, that's what happens there. Then what we do is that without you leaving your processor, we provide you with results in the same place. You need to like go into other tabs. So that's, we are connected to a bunch of different APIs where we essentially source content. But then, for example, if we get a Medium article, then we run our NLP on that article. For example, if we search about deep learning and we get a, a Medium post about deep learning, we will go into a post, 
summarize it with our NLP stuff, and then give you the structure data in the word processor. So we don't want to like throw you just a link or a full text article. We want to give you first the snippets of it. And then if you're interested, you can click on it and also open that in the same place without leaving the editor. And are those snippets, again, extractive summarization? Yeah, so that would okay. be always a mix of extractive and also the, the entities out of our name entity recognition. Yeah. So you will get always like a mix of uh, summary sentences. We also do stuff like statistics extraction. So you would get like three bullets of a summary, maybe one statistic, and then maybe the, the top keywords. And if you click on a keyword, you will get the sentence mentioning that keyword. So we try to give you a really structured version of the sources. Cool. And just for my knowledge, I won't dive deeper into it, but this term topic modeling, is this a Googleable term? Is this a term that you guys use or is this an NLP term itself? Topic modeling is, is I mean, it's a big area of research. Cool. So people could look up more detail about that subdomain if they yeah, want Yeah, of to. course. I mean, topic modeling, the main one had been LDA for years. Now this we're... This is an algorithm? Yeah, LDA is like a... Yeah. So, but now we're moving into more like deep learning-based topic models, neural networks. One of our challenges is also identifying unknown topics. Because yeah. like, for example, you know, you may have a massive file of Wikipedia companies, right? Or names or concepts. But if tomorrow there is a new concept, this kind of like rule-based algorithms won't work. But these models that are able to identify this a concept because the way it's embedded in the sentence it's supposed to be a concept yeah, versus yeah. a company or versus yeah. a pronoun. Yep. So there are definitely a lot of literature about topic cool. modeling. Cool, topic modeling. And so see, eventually maybe what you folks will do will involve some of the abstractive as well as the extractive kind of... Yeah, abstractive. We have done abstractive models, but they're, they're not good enough for commercial use. Got it. In yeah. our case. Because now that you're talking about give me a bunch of documents and try to rewrite a, a summary for that. Yep. Uh, and that might work great one out of 10 times, but maybe three out of 10 times is totally random. So to put a little bit of color on this as we close out, the last topic I want to touch on before we wrap up, really the, the ROI of podcasts for our audience is thinking about you know what might be inevitable in their future, what might become possible in their future, and talking to subject matter experts who might have a sense of what are businesses going to be using coming up and what are they looking into now. When you look ahead into the future, you're building a company about this. You know who your competitors are. You understand natural language processing well enough. You know, you look five years into the future, even two years into the future. There's a lot of different tools that you're building, other people are building. What facets of NLP do you have kind of the, the, the best sense will become kind of ubiquitous for content production in the future? Do you think search summarization will be kind of uh, something that almost everybody who writes content uses? Or are there other aspects of NLP that you think will be most popular there when you think about what will be used by almost everyone creating content or by a whole lot of people creating content two or three years out? What do you see when you look forward? Yeah, so summarization is definitely one big area. And any of the big companies, Salesforce just published a and with a press release and everything, they publish their abstractive, actually, summarization. You can call it summarization, or you can just call it language understanding. And that goes with many applications, including email applications, where you want to summarize all of your emails, yeah. sales for leads, or use case, which is like helping researchers and analysts understand all this massive information overload out there where summarization is needed because humans alone cannot really go through thousands of documents. So up until now, it was all about keywords and, and semantic search and stuff like that, like so classifying those 
documents in a good way. But summarization can really help analysts cut through the noise because now these systems can understand text. So text understanding is definitely a very, very active area of research. That also ties up with one big thing that is voice, so voice technology. Many people get frustrated when they ask Siri yeah, about yeah. not just fact-based questions, but actually a little bit more human questions, right, that you would answer a friend. Like, you know, what do you think is going to be the future of health? So the only way for one of these systems to answer, and increasingly in a voice format, is going to be by actually being able to go out there to a search engine, getting the top results. But right now, Siri will give you the top 10 results, and that's all they give you. But what if they were able to actually almost have reading comprehension and read all of these sources and then be able to put together a concise... It's a summary in itself. But you can see it as, as a question-answering system too. Summarizing 10 articles out of a question query is a, is a question-answering system too that you can use for voice. And that would be a huge deal. I mean, if you could ask Siri a broad question, I, mean, I think about the questions that we fight really hard to answer and do a bunch of research about. What are the current in-use applications of artificial intelligence in the legal field, right? Mm-hmm. We're looking for companies and we're looking for core applications. You know, what, what, are, the, what are the deliverables mm-hmm. that it has today? If Siri could just vocalize a couple paragraphs of the gist of the top application mm-hmm. survey in real time, that would be absolutely like knock your socks off mm-hmm. stuff. Are you saying that with natural language understanding that we maybe get closer to that where you get not just facts, but maybe a congealed idea, almost an opinion from yeah. the machine. Yeah, and that's where our main focus is. I mean, the open domain question answering. Yeah. That's very challenging, and in my mind, that will likely have to be some kind of premium enterprise product for now, uh, because we're talking about going into all these articles. That may be too expensive, maybe, for, for like a free, for free... Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I wonder. Because you know that, obviously, if anybody's got some degree of expertise in this world, we'd assume it's them. But yeah. like you said, maybe it would be an enterprise tool instead yeah. of a yeah. consumer. So summarization and understanding and, and how you can use them with voice, because one of the limitations of voice has been proper understanding too, because there is nothing the thing can answer. Yep. But what if they had this context and understanding, they could answer you with an opinion. And then something that I always think a lot too is like, so sometimes when I'm building these web apps, I feel like, oh my God, this is going to go away really soon. And I start thinking about the questions I ask myself is like, how are people going to create content in the future with things like, like augmented reality, for example. And I really wonder if people are going to be writing with, you know, you might be wearing some kind of glasses and then maybe through the glasses or through the, these devices, you can start to record ideas. This is really going to the future. And what if you were able to translate these brain interfaces directly into ideas that get stored somewhere? Yeah. Or, or, or closer to, to, to the present, like augmented reality, <clears throat> at some point people should be able to kind of do research with augmented reality devices. And what about creating content through augmented reality devices? Um, Even any small idea about what that could look like? I know we're coming up on time, but just, just out of like what the heck that could be in your head when you think about it. Well, so I think there's a lot we can do with our eyes. Like, for example, you could be in Boston, I don't know, doing some kind of history project and you're looking at buildings. So I'm just imagining right now this device that lets you look at the building and then you can like take pictures with the device as, as you see it. Or maybe the device recognizes where you are and pulls information about it in front of you. And now you are looking directly with your eyes without that, without a computer or a phone, just, just with this kind of like headset or whatever. 
and you're going to be able to interact with things around you <coughs> and do research, which is my business too, and that's research. But then you also are going to be taking notes out of it, and that's writing. So I really want to see how you can get these augmented reality experiences for like both researching, but also storing information that you may want to store. This is pretty cool. I, I, in my head, I was imagining you're talking like if you're here for a history project, mm. someone's walking around with some augmented reality glasses in the future might be writing, let's say, a, you know, a featured piece about like the parks in, in a city in Boston or something. You know, could hypothetically be audio recording entire paragraphs or something. Could be pulling up facts and copying and pasting, you know, things from historical sources or Wikipedia into some common pool, just yeah. with voice commands. And, yeah. and or could be taking video and photo as they're walking to include in the article. And then when they get back to their computer, augmented reality is kind of clumped together, all these things they've already. So you're saying yeah. that it won't be, you know, five, 10 years from now, it sounds like you're not confident. It's just going to be a keyboard and some tools within your computer. We're really going to be in the world making yeah. our content, not when we get home on our laptop. Yeah. And I think this will also improve the currency of, for example, of news. Because there is quality that gets lost from the field into the newsroom, right? You need to have a guy send you a picture. There needs to be an email being sent, information being sent. You lose time there, but like, I mean, you can already do it with the phone. You can publish it for your phone and, and that's great. I feel like these more Im immersive experiences can lead to, to better reporting too. So Cool. All right. Excellent. <laughs> well, hey, I appreciate your opinion, man. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. So that's it for this episode here on AI and Industry. Make sure to stay tuned for next week when we catch up with Michael Johnson, who's the head of research and innovation at a company called Interactions, where we're going to talk about the applications of voice in NLP. So not taking a chat bot and receiving a text message and getting a written message back, but being able to speak and be spoken to by machines. Not just inbound, that is to say customer service, people calling into a machine, but machines even reaching people outbound making some of the initial contact points with human beings via a machine alone and being able to save human teams time and money. Uh, that's what we dive into next week here on the AI and Industry Podcast. Again, this is all part of a month-long series with nuance based on NLP in business applications. Next week, we'll be diving more specifically into voice. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to review us or leave us a review on iTunes. We always appreciate that. It definitely helps other people find the show. We've got now 40,000 business leaders that'll download these episodes in a given month. We've grown tremendously in the last 12 months. Uh, so really appreciate the previous reviews that we've had. And if you have thoughts you'd like to share, then feel free to do so there. Or you can always message me, pop me an email back, send me a message on LinkedIn. A lot of my best conversations for future ideas for the AI and industry podcast, or when people just message me, Dan Fagella on LinkedIn. So that's all for this week. Tune in next week when we dive a little bit deeper into voice here on AI and industry. 